It's time to hold it on, hold it on, hold it on to you. It's time to hold it on, hold it on, hold it on to you. Sometimes hold it on, hold it on, hold it on to you. You're listening to the Noise Cancelling Pod, the podcast about streamlining life, encouraging discourse, and maximizing your mind. Hosted by Frank Boyce and Axel Clark. Welcome back, everyone, to the Noise Cancelling Pod. I'm Frank Boyce. And this is Axel Clark. <laughs> We're glad to have you here. This is episode 51. Only three weeks in between, Axel. I'm feeling pretty good. How are you feeling? We're on a roll. We really are. I mean, this is this is the most episodes that we've put together since uh, 2016, actually, for for a solid two months here. So I'm um, I'm feeling pretty excited about it. Nice. So one thing, I know we've been giving you guys a lot of updates, but I, I think it's it's nice to keep the continuity of our projects going. Um, Axel has a couple fun updates, interesting updates, kind of behind the scenes business things on on his. Uh, his book? Can we call it the book? It's a book, yeah. Yeah, it's a book. Um, and then I'm going to walk through kind of some experiences that I've had the last few months, and then I want to get a little bit back into tea to, okay. to kind of bookend this episode. Does that sound good? That sounds great. All right, so tell me about tell me the latest developments. Okay, so <clears throat> I had spent I spent some time reading about copywriting. So I read a couple, mostly one book, and I would use that first to try to rework my email sequence. So if someone goes to my site, they can get the free quick reference guide, and then that starts a, a six email sequence that is supposed to end with a, with a sales email. So I worked on re, reworking some of, the, some of the emails and then trying to work on that sales email because a lot of the people that signed up for the quick reference guide at the end of January or the beginning of Jan- end of January, early February, were getting to the sales sequence. So I'm like all ready to go to send it to this like it was pretty much 130 people. So I'm like yeah. I'm thinking this is going to be a big boost in my sales. I got this. So I worked on my sales email. And I sent out the first the first draft to about a hundred of them, and I don't think I had a single purchase. So I'm like, okay, no big deal. I'm, I'm, I'll keep working on this. So I revamped it and sent it to another 30 people and did not get any purchases. So so far, my sale the e- the sales email, um, it's kind of long. So I'm going to go with a shorter one. Uh, when I my next iteration will be a much shorter email. So yeah, that's that's a real art, you know. I mean, I think. I think copywriting, there's definitely some science in terms of pulling people in and, you know, using each part of the email sequence to, to draw people closer to that sale. Um, you know, what what techniques did you take from from some of the things you've been reading about copywriting? Oh, uh, let's to, see. Like, so space those things out. So a couple of, well, the initial emails were all informational emails. And so this sales email was something like, 
I like I've given you some tips. I also sent you the quick reference guide if you want the full book. Here's the link, and then some other things. Uh, some of the techniques that that in general for copywriting that I included in the sales email were I included some of the testimonials that I got, which maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. I have to figure out what I want to cut. But so I included some testimonials. I also got more specific on my guarantee. So before I said at least 10 hours, you would save at least 10 hours. And then I thought about it a little bit more and I wanted to get more specific. So now I'm saying 14 hours because there are seven mm-hmm. tools and I think people will spend, would spend at least two hours researching each tool. So I'm guaranteeing that they're gonna save 14 hours. And what was the other one that I, those were two of the main ones that I, two big updates. Yeah. Do you think so? This is going behind the curtain of copywriting. Would you want any other copywriters to like take a look at your sales sequence and give you some edits? I'd definitely take that. Okay, let's we'll chat about that one offline because I, I have some ideas on that. Um, <clears throat> in terms of you know building that your list right like that that funnel is just as important as the the sequence itself Mm -hmm. how do you feel like have you made any changes to to that i know that the big draw is your freebie um but have you put any more thought or made any changes to that recently i so i also around i can't remember which one i did first around the same time i updated my my approach to the forms on my website i need to look Mm -hmm. and see what my what my rates are of people that converted on the forms but i ultimately decided that i'm going to there's going to be a pop-up which i know people don't like but i just want to see how well it works it will be the only pop-up so i probably should be doing the cookie pop-up but i'm not doing that so the pop-up is just going to be if they make it a quarter of the way through the article then it pops up the form to get the free ebook and there's also a form at the very end of the article so if they make it again to the end of the article then they will have another opportunity to sign up for the free ebook and I don't think so far pop-ups as, do you feel like people actually hate pop-ups that much i think if it's multi if it's hard to find the close button and if there are multiple i think those two things make people annoyed but i think one pop-up is people are relatively okay with one pop-up i think i would challenge that notion i think if you're on a website that you want to be on like it's something it's a topic that you're drawn to and you're not just like looking up you know like the best chinese restaurants in my neighborhood like that's annoying because you're just trying to get to specific information but if you're into a site and you're trying to digest something like that means that you're actually curious and interested on it and i feel like that the pop-up almost like draws you in even further where i'm like oh what's this now you know what i mean well the conversion rate on my pop-up is 1.16 percent so uh, which so is sadly better than most of my other <laughs> it's better than most of my other forms which are all for the most part below one percent so See? slight improvement with that one. So I basically, I implemented that one across all my articles and standardized the, the one at the end. 
So I'm going to let it run probably another week or two, and then I might tweak, like, update something. But that's For sure. that was my... So that was a copywriting update that I did. Nice. And then once I was done with that, I decided that I want to run Facebook ads just to see how, how they work and see if I can sure. get some some conversions with Facebook ads. So I just started a Facebook ad campaign starting, was he, I think it was today. Today was the first day that they ran. So you can try to say who they, who you can suggest to Facebook who they should send it to, but I just left it wide open. So I'm expecting it's going to take probably maybe a month or at least three weeks to a month for them to dial in the right who they who they should be showing it to so today let me see if i can figure out who they how many they sent it to they sent so 350 people or 340 people saw the ad it cost me 15 dollars and no people purchased it i'm not I don't think anyone actually went to my to the sales page either. So interesting. But three, I guess it was at three fifty, was the number mm. of people that saw it today. On it's mostly, a pretty good rate actually. Yeah, on mostly. I don't know what audience network is. Mostly on Facebook. I guess I'm doing Instagram ads too. Eleven Instagram ads. I don't know. <laughs> I'd be curious to know. I've. I don't know how much your do you think your audience is on Instagram a lot? Not really, but it, it it could be something where if someone was and they saw it, I think it would be kind of shocking for them to see it. So mm-hmm. they might click on it or they may go on it. I don't know. My ad's definitely not optimized for Instagram, so maybe I need to relook at what what uh, what that looks like. I don't know. It looks like they, they only showed it to 11 Instagram people and 217 people on Facebook. Interesting. Yeah, I would be curious to know, you know, if you switch up who that's targeting. Because, I mean, I think your your audience, you can get pretty specific on who you're looking for. Yeah, that I don't know. The, the guy who I used his YouTube video to get everything set up, he suggested just letting Facebook figure it out for you versus trying to outsmart Facebook. So that's what I'm doing. And it may take that's longer. I, I'm budgeting. I think I have uh, mentally I'm budgeting between 400 and $500, which I think will get me about, I think maybe two months worth of the current ads like rate to see sure. if it works. And then, at that point, I'll either it will have failed or I'll it won't. The person who you modeled it after, what is kind of their their product or service? He he's sells programming ebooks, so it's the oh. generally the same. That's why I thought it would be a good person to model. It's in the same niche. It's a little bit of a bigger niche than my book, so that I'm interested to see. I mean, maybe my niche is too small, but then again it just seems like if if i got something that was really in 
in something I was interested in, I would kind of be surprised to see it and then I might click on it. So I don't know. And I'd buy right. someone who clicks on a lot of Facebook ads. Yeah. Seems like a good like personal mantra. Yeah. So we'll I'm see. Frank, I don't click on Facebook ads. Yeah. Maybe maybe I need to to get a little more creative with my copy. I I I need to I need to do a little bit more research, but my impression is that, or my thought process is, I'm not trying to get too, um, like I want to be pretty direct in what I'm selling because I think it's like very niche. So I don't want to like trick. I I think I'll if I trick people into go clicking on it because it's like just interesting, then I think I, I'm going to have not very many conversions anyway because it's very niche of what they want. So. My thinking is like if they want it and they see this, they're gonna click on it. But maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a good statistical analysis in two months. Like yeah. if, you, if you do pivot after a month to, to being more targeted. Yeah, and I only have one one ad or one one option at the moment. I just want to get it going. So I may brain I may I, I may I probably will come up with a couple other options. And then I think Facebook just does them, like switches on and off, and uses different different combinations of the, of your different uh, options. So I'm probably gonna throw another one or two up there, but I just want to get this thing like out the door and off and running. So yeah, for sure. You know, our our normal strategy: let's get at least eighty percent ready to go and then run with it. Yeah. So so that's where I'm at. It just started today. No sales yet. I don't even think anyone visited my site out of the 350 people. So, well, this is a perfect benchmark to start this this episode off. So next time, we'll want to run those statistics back. Yeah, we'll. we'll take I want some. I want some real demographic stuff too. Like, is it running in different geographies? It's. Yeah the the demographics. Let me see what they have. Right now, it's only showing me age and gender. Well, no, it doesn't really actually show me that. I take that back. It's not showing that information. But that would be kind of interesting to see because I, I mean, I have kind of my own conceptualization of who your target audience would be. Right. It's, it's pretty specific. Um, but I'd be curious yeah. to know who Facebook is pushing those ads to. Yeah, the other thing is it's only running in the U.S., which is kind of, I think... A majority of my sales are from the U.S., but I, I do have a lot of sales in a couple other countries. So maybe I'll add those other countries where I have some sales. We'll see. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, programming is one of those things. Like it's it's universal. So I I don't know. I, yeah. I would look globally. I think I have to. I think I. I think I don't. I don't know. Right now, I'm planning on just sticking with the U.S. We'll see. We'll see what I end up deciding. Hmm, yeah. Yeah. So I look forward to that. Any other book business updates? I don't. No. I've. I. I have had a few sales over the last couple of weeks, so the sales are still trickling in. But I'm hoping nice. this Facebook ads will reach a new audience that. For sure. Wasn't on. Tw- I think most of my initial sales were Twitter. Have so, you run any other ads on Twitter itself? No, I've never. I haven't run any Twitter ads. 
Most, for whatever reason, the people I follow on Twitter are not fans of Twitter ads. I think they would recommend even Google ads before Twitter ads. They, people tell me that, or they claim they're expensive and they don't do a very good job of targeting the audience that you're looking for. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, I think it's, I think it's fairly like follower centric or like kind of the, the Venn diagram of followers right around you, which can be helpful, but it's probably already people who have already been exposed to it a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. Although I would I be think curious you, to, yeah. Although I think with, I'm not sure about Twitter, but I know that I think with Instagram, you can target followers of a certain person. So really, I, I, I think I could pick a couple people that if I picked like three people, I'm sure I could pick. It would encompass a, a large majority of, of the possible people that would ever purchase this book. So I'll, I'll have to look into that a little bit. That would be fascinating to do like either two weeks or a month on each platform and see which one leads to the most results and then just kind of keep targeting that after after you figure that out. Yeah. The other thing that I didn't do, which I considered, was I'm not running a deal with this ad. So I don't know. We'll see. I consider doing almost what I would call a relaunch with a, with a launch discount, but I... Yeah. Ultimately decided just to run it at the regular price. So we'll see. People love discounts. You give me 10% off. Actually, I'll be honest. Don't give me 10% off. 10% off, I feel like that's a slap in the face. Mm -hmm. You need, if you're going to get my attention, it's got to be like 15% or more. Yeah. Usually, so it's a $40 book and I, my real, my pre order discount was $10 and then my, regular my launch discount was five dollars which i didn't i actually felt like that was peanuts but i didn't really mm. have anywhere to go because i'd already given the pre the pre-order people ten dollars off and i didn't feel like it would yep. be unfair to give the launch people the same discount so i was kind of stuck at that but um, ultimately like there were still a decent amount of sales at the launch discount and i'm still making sales yeah. at full price now nice uh, and awesome. all right, last update. So the the podcast that I recorded is not out yet, so no update on that. But I'm hoping that gives me a little bit of a bump too. So we'll see. I've got some like, yeah. I would call lines in the water. You know, trying to oh for sure, yeah, and some really see, interesting see analytics. On. Yeah, some really interesting analytics coming up too, where you can really see who your audience is, and I mean, I feel like some of that will even help your writing to know like all right here's who is actually going to buy my book here's my ideal client like here's how i need to tailor you know all you know your sales page and your email sequence you know a, a lot of different things could be inferred by by who starts clicking on that and who actually gets through to a sale yeah and i'm still getting i guess it looks like about like 50 to 100 visitors a day just to my blog so that's another aspect, but I just haven't been able to convert them very well. I, I, the one thing I've considered is just running a straight ad in my own blog versus the uh, enter your email and get the quick reference guide. But then I don't know if, if someone's not even willing to enter their email to get the quick reference guide. It seems like they wouldn't actually purchase the book, but who knows? I don't know. Who knows? So that Maybe may be try, to, try something different on each blog. 
Yeah, so I may try that at some point. But right now, I'm letting my latest update on the form to collect emails just go for for a while and then focusing on these Facebook ads for the next couple weeks. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I'm I'm excited to hear, especially how the Facebook goes, and if you get kind of more background on who they're who they're going after and you know what their parameters are for that. That'll be really interesting to me because I'm a huge nerd on advertising and marketing, as with pretty much everything that I'm interested in. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Sweet. So one thing I did want to go through, and it's been, to be honest, kind of the the impetus behind the podcast restart um and i'll I'll get to that reason in a minute but i want to talk a little bit about just kind of my own mental health journey the last six months because i feel like six months ago i was in a lot different spot than i am now and you know i would i would credit that specifically to to my focus on on mental health um what was interesting was so you know i had obviously with with everything going on with COVID and the world just kind of falling to, to pieces the last few years. Like, I think it's been hard on a lot of people. Um, but for me, I, I feel like being in the military, having a pretty stressful life, like I, I was very resilient. And so mm-hmm. you know, the last few years, I, I started to notice like a, a lack of resiliency where things that would stress me out, things that would make me angry, um, that wouldn't have in the past suddenly were, were kind of like tripping me up and triggering me on, on certain things and, you know, feeling more stressed and agitated and, you know, leading to like bad food habits and lack of exercise and, you know, kind of just yeah. this downward spiral. And so, you know, having a lot of conversations with Katie, the thing that really broke through was I think you had either texted me or emailed me to see if I wanted to record an episode. It was like back in, back in August and I was just like, no, I don't want to. I was like, I don't, I don't feel like I have the energy to do it. And it just kind of mm-hmm. like flipped a switch in my head. I was like, well, why am I not interested? Like, this is something I love to do. I love connecting with Axel. I love talking about whatever random stuff we have going on. Like, why is this not of interest to me? And so it was just kind of like that. That just kind of clicked. And I was like, something is not quite right. Yeah. And so, like, that kind of set me off to you know, thinking through like, well, maybe I am a little depressed. Maybe I do need a little help. And it's not just like, I don't need another four minute mile challenge to, to dig me out of this hole. Like I I need somebody to actually pull me out. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, started taking some really small steps. I, there's, I'm, I was actually really surprised how easy all this was. Like I, in my head, it's kind of like thinking through mental health. I'm like, all right, I'll have to go to like my primary care physician and like, talk to him and then I'll have to get a referral to somebody else and then I'll get you know maybe get scheduled three months out but like so much stuff is available online now like I okay yeah I went through this company called hello alpha screened me for anxiety and depression you know kind of got a baseline score talked to one of their physicians and they're like yeah let's let's get you on a plan and so you know within I mean, within a couple of days, I had that appointment with the doctor um, that just fit into my schedule online. And then we just had a, a face-to-face video chat. And, you know, I had a medication plan and, you know, some counseling sessions set up within like a week. 
So that, like, started to help. I think, again, like, just feeling like I could get some help, like I could make a change and, and start kind of getting in a positive direction was was super beneficial just unto its own. And then, you know, from there, just trying to find trying to find somebody that I clicked with a little bit just in, in terms of, you know, either like a counselor or a psychologist. I, th- I ended up with a psychologist, but, you know, there's just a lot of, a lot of good help out there and it doesn't necessarily matter on their title. Yeah. Um, so that's, I did switch that was around. a question I was yeah. going yeah, to, that was a question I was going to ask is what, uh, cause with, I was curious if you were going to stay with the, your initial doctor or, uh, or if they would, help you find someone else and then whether you clicking with that person would be a factor in uh, how successful it was or how effective it was. Yeah. So I, what I ended up doing was I, I, I have a separate doctor for like the medication treatment and following up on that. And then I had a separate psychologist to kind of talk through building skills and, and dealing with dealing with other things. And so one was on this platform. It's called Hello Alpha. It's like Alpha Medical, super easy, and that's where, I mean, they have like their own pharmacy basically that they go through. And then the place that I landed for my psychologist was actually BetterHelp. So this is not a BetterHelp ad, <laughs> as with many podcasts, but <laughs> it is super convenient, and uh, I, I just like the the availability of you know kind of finding the right person for what you need. Yeah, nice. And so, yeah, I mean, I I really just went through. I think I ended up only doing like maybe eight or ten sessions. Okay. And it was it was all focused on just like skill building and you know specific things where it's like, all right, you're having a bad day. Like, what what two or three things can you do that kind of snap you out of it? Hmm. Interesting. So, I, I think that. Yeah. I would not. I would not have thought of it being like it makes sense now that you mention it. But I would not have thought of it as in them helping you build the skills to help yourself, which that makes sense now hearing it. But that's it. It goes against like your typical TV therapist, where they're like walking you through it, and they're not. It's not helping you help yourself. It's like I will help you think through the how to handle and think about these issues. Yeah, absolutely, and I think. You know, again, coming from the military, I think we have even a further stereotype and, you know, negative view of mental health sometimes where it's like, I don't really want to reach out for mental health because I'm going to end up getting tagged by my commander or somebody for, you know, like, what's wrong with this guy? Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I think I was, I was carrying a little bit of that around. I totally agree with what you just said, because I think when I was going into it, I was kind of imagining like the psychoanalysis of like, all right, let's, let's talk about your most traumatic memory, you know, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And, you know, we, we dug into a few things that I wanted to dig into, but it was more just like, all right, what can I help you with? And like, what, what can we build into each and every day that's going to help balance you out? And so like, that was, that was the most helpful for me. And like, I really, I agree with you. It really just kind of shifted my mindset of what those sessions could be like. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really interesting to hear. And so, like, the big takeaways for me was just, like, I need a very specific morning routine to kind of set myself up for a successful day. And so it's kind of like I get up really early. 
I get work done, so I kind of I don't feel stressed about what work I need to do that day. I get I try to get done any of the major tasks that that I need to accomplish that day, um, and like any task that's going to take more than twenty minutes, because throughout the day I'm either going to have meetings or get interrupted with fifty emails. So like yeah. try to knock those out early, and then like I go and I play with Ivan and Isla for probably an hour and a half, two hours some days. And then I get them breakfast, and then then I have thirty minutes of just like time to myself, and so it's okay. t- time to brew tea. I read a book, I do Wordle, and then I try to stretch and meditate for at least five minutes. And so it's just kind of like this quiet time to get focused before like I really hit the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And then honestly, like it's such a duh thing now. It's it's like now that I'm older i'm like i need a little bit more sleep and so trying to kind of lock in the nighttime routine where it's like get in bed early try to kind of turn off the mind a little bit and then one super beneficial thing that um my counselor gave me was was trying sleep hypnosis when i go to bed okay what's that and so and so i you know have an earbud in i'm going to sleep and it's like an hour and a half long YouTube, like a, a guided audio for relaxation and positivity. And so I, I was very skeptical that I was like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll give that a try. And it, it took me a couple of days to find one that, that kind of clicked with me, but I, I can't really explain it. It's like, I'm. There's, there's probably some classical conditioning behind it because it, it makes me fall asleep incredibly fast. Like, some days I'm asleep within, like, two and a half minutes of starting. It, and this, does, it, does it keep going after you fall asleep but you're just asleep? Or, how, like, how does that work? To be honest, that's, that's kind of the mysterious part of it to me. So, yes, it keeps going for, like, an hour and a half after... I'm asleep and it, it keeps talking through like positive things and positive thinking and positive energy. And I, I don't know how it works. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things. It's like, Mm -hmm. do I wake up refreshed? Did I sleep better? Did I fall asleep really well? Like I answered yes to all those things. Do I know why (laughs) I feel better in the morning? I don't, I have no idea. Like, why does that work? Wow. I, I don't know. So yeah, it's just like, it's all these little tweaks where, again, feeling like I have some power over this situation. And, you know, I think even just in the feeling successful category of just like, all right, I had a great morning. You know what I mean? I knocked out some work. I had perfect quiet time. Like, I, I think when you're down in that darker place, you know, you, you need those little tiny victories, even if they, they seem kind of silly, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. It is important to start your day off. With, I mean, it's there's the idea of just making your bed. There's a first thing in the morning that you always do to kind of set the the idea that you you've completed that task and your bed is made, and it starts you off on the right foot for the day. So, taking it even a step further with what you're doing, I think, makes sense. And, I mean, I went through a lot of iterations, too. I mean, I think when I was starting off, I was kind of like, all right, I need to get up even earlier and try to, like, get this quiet time in, like, at the start of the day. And I was like, 
I was trying to squeeze like an hour and a half into an hour and it just like made me even more frustrated. Yeah. Like, some of it was beneficial of just like making sure I stretched every day um, or meditated, but it was like, I'm not, if you're trying to rush through a meditation, it's, it's not going to yeah, be that- not going to be very beneficial because your mind's just not there. So, I mean, I think, I think for me, it was just kind of like figuring out what I had time to do, figuring out within the routine, what was most important um, and then making sure that I prioritize that almost every day. And so I, I think the one hard part is when you get into such a good routine, the days that you kind of get thrown off or you just don't have time to do it, you, you also have to have kind of the skills of just like, all right, today's going to be weird. It's going to feel weird. And guess what? Tomorrow you're going to get back on it. So I, I think for me, it's a lot of just like giving myself more grace too, where it's like, it's less about like when you're doing the headspace app and you're on a 25 day streak, mm-hmm. you know, like, like you don't need to worry about day 26, but you should really try to get back on day 27 and keep it going. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. It was, it's a, I learned a decent, a, a lot from that and, uh, and gave me a different perspective. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I'll be honest. I've been kind of sharing it with a lot of people lately just because, again, I I agree with you completely. In my mind, I was like, well, I don't want to, like, lay down on my couch and, like, talk about what books I read when I was three years old. Like, I, I, yeah. I just I – totally, I totally agree with you. I had a very strong misconception of what, what it was going to be like and how helpful it could be. So Yeah. Cool. Very happy with the results. All right. Well, you also mentioned you had some sort of a funny story with uh, with your tea, some sort of tea blog funny story. So what do you got? Yeah, yeah. I know it seems hard to believe, um, but yeah. I mean, with the tea blog lately, I've definitely enjoyed the writing aspect itself. Um, but I would probably rank that third in terms of like the things that I've actually enjoyed about the hobby so far. And mm-hmm. honestly, actually, probably even fourth because beyond just the writing which has been fun I, I've really enjoyed just like learning about tea in general and I'm very fascinated just by the aging process of the tea and like this morning was it this morning yeah this morning I had a, a tea from 2007 I was like that doesn't really oh, seem wow. possible yeah so I mean it's like it's kind of getting me into that same mindset of like when I was really getting to scotch and bourbon um where it's like I, I want to dive into all these different, you know, the characteristics, the tasting notes, and figuring out, like, teas from different regions or age different ways, like what, what characteristics I like or don't like or, you know, like, really want to seek out in other teas. So that's that's been really fascinating just because I was totally unaware that, you know, the aging process for tea was as complicated as, as t- lot, lots of other spirits, you know. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. So that's that ranked that number three. Number two, I've really enjoyed, you know, coming up with specific recipes. Okay, yeah. Where it's my own blend. It's my own, you know, post-workout tea that we talked about on another episode where, you know, I'm combining different flavors. I'm combining different simple syrups and using protein and, you know, using juniper berries. And it just, it feels very wide open and creative. Um, and I think, 
the fun part for me is that I'm not seeing it anywhere else. Like it, it feels very original um, mm-hmm. and, and exciting. So that's been great too. Um, <laughs> I feel a little, a little embarrassed about what I've enjoyed the most, and it's it's honestly been like creating Instagram content and kind of getting connected with the the T universe and like yeah. interacting with people on on Instagram. Like it's it's surprisingly fun to do that. And I I didn't expect that at all. Like I was just kinda throwing some things out on Instagram to to see see what the response would be and it's been it's been really fun. The people that you're interacting with, are they just people that love tea or are they people who are selling tea who are the main people that you're um that you're finding on instagram i think it's a it's a combination um and what's what's interesting is there's a lot of combinations of what you just described where they're they're really huge tea nerds that may have started off almost like me where they were just kind of like making instagram content or writing blogs and found out that they you know had a passion for sourcing this kind of tea or you know focusing on the health benefits of tea and and now they sell their own private label or specific blends that they've created so i think it's it's a lot of a lot of tea nerds um and i would say probably at least half of them are selling something tea related okay have you have you started brainstorming actual partnerships with them yeah i actually so weird that both of these things happened today um one of the people that i follow who also has a tea podcast um i found out he lives in minnesota actually wow okay and he this week he's at the world tea expo in las vegas building building connections for his private label tea so Mm -hmm. we're actually going to meet up and and connect at one of the the tea houses in minneapolis um probably in the next month or so so that oh that's awesome That'll be pretty fun. But the other the other thing that happened today was um, I, I posted a reel this morning, which was just like a tea recipe, um, and this random person liked it that I hadn't ever seen like or comment on anything before. And so I just thanked them for their comment, and then I looked at their stuff, and they, they work at a black cardamom, tea, uh, black cardamom spice farm in Nepal. And so I was just like, I DM him. <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's super cool. Like, I, I, I love to learn more about the farm and learn about the cardamom. And they were like, yeah, I would love to ship you some. Um, we, also, we also have honey that we could ship to you, too. And the way that he phrased it, he said, we have mad honey that we could ship. And I, in my, my American mind, I was like, oh, that's an interesting word for somebody from Nepal to use. Uh, I was just like, oh, I guess they got a lot of honey. Like, we got mad honey over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then he sent a link to their shop, and I pulled it up, and it's this honey. Have you heard of this before? Mad honey? No. Okay, so it's a specific kind of bees that live on the cliffs of Nepal and can fly up to 13,000 feet above sea level. And so, like, their whole lives, they just live on these cliffs. And so, people from Nepal go and harvest this honey. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. I was like, man, I really need to, like, learn from this guy. I got to get, like, a big shipment of this honey because it sounds incredible. And then I was reading a little bit more, and it was like, <laughs> a separate part of their website was like, 
the benefits of our honey. And it, like, went on to describe, like, basically acid-level hallucinogenic properties <laughs> of the honey. And that's why it's called Matt Honey. Okay. <laughs> wow. And so, and so then I was like, okay, well, first of all, let's check how legal this is. And it, it turns out that it is actually legal in the U.S. to ship in. And then I was, like, watching okay. videos on how hallucinogenic this was. There was, like, a Vice story on it. And I was like, yeah, let's – we're just going to stick with the uh, black cardamom shipment for now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I did, had never heard of Mad Honey, but that's – that is incredible. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, that, that, that's pretty crazy. And, like, the videos of the people who harvest it, like, climbing up sheer cliffs – with their with their smoke machines getting the bees away and harvesting mm-hmm. the honeycomb like it it's wild it's super so wild the honey is not processed in any way that's just the way it comes out and it's hallucinogenic yeah yeah it's wild <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah i was i'll be honest i was still a little tempted i was like how hallucinogenic is it? And then I was like, and then after a, a few videos, and I was like, yeah, that's uh, that's gonna be a bad idea. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Don't really want to be incapacitated for five hours at a time. But yeah, so that's my random tea story and connection today. But I, I will let you know how good the the black cardamom is because I'm getting like two pounds of it shipped here from Nepal. Nice, that's awesome. Cool. But yeah, that's that's my update. I'm uh, feeling good about the T blog, guys. I'm, I am going to plug my T blog if you if you'd like to go read it. Um, new blogs weekly at www.franklytees.com. Check it out. So, yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you and I will both have some statistics to share the next time we get together on your Facebook ads and see how all. All, all our different lines in the water are going. Yep. Yeah. Well, if nothing else, we're learning a lot. That's the goal. Yes. That's right. That that's success in in this hobby for me. It's like just learning a lot, and I, I feel like it's going pretty well. Yeah. Cool. So, with that, let's close out episode fifty-one. I'm Frank Boyce, and this is Axel Clark. Go check out franklytees.com. Have a great week, everyone.